Doing all right? Yeah? Who's ready for the semester to be over? Woo woo, Allah! You're almost there. How many? 37 days till graduation. Hey, let's just give Brittany a hand real quick. Yeah. You're there. You're there. I mean, not like, don't quit, but you're so close. It's awesome. Um, who's ready for Thanksgiving? Anybody? Yeah? I just feel like Thanksgiving is kind of like a trick because you're like so close, right? But then you got to come back. Well, hey, I'm excited y'all are here tonight. Thanks for kind of bearing with us and coming up here. Um, hey, thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate That means a lot. Cut me deep. <laughs> well, not cut me deep. Touch me deep. There we go. <laughs> cut me deep. Hey, so we've been going through Mark, and we're going to do a little switch for these last few Thursday nights together and um, talk about, I, actually, before I even go there, I talked about this on Monday night with our home group. And yes, it is hot as sweat. I even did nothing. Um, some of y'all hot. Y'all hot? Um, did y'all, have y'all seen Napoleon Dynamite? Has anybody ever watched it to the end when Kip gets married? Everybody's like, yes, I love technology. All right, so I, I tried to bring that up with my home group on Monday, and they were looking at me like I was on some kind of drug. And I don't appreciate that. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're going to talk about uh, really specifically, honestly, like our, our phones, but what we're talking about applies to more than just phones. Um, and just so you'll be clear, like we, I mean, we're, we're a Bible-believing church, so we're going to look at how this kind of intersects with scripture, all right? Um, so yeah, it's called, our series is called Getting Smart with Your Smartphone. And uh, let me ask you, do you guys feel like sometimes you have a love-hate relationship with your phone? Yes, absolutely, right? Like, sometimes I'm like, oh man, you're so cool. And other times I'm like, I hate you, really. Like, and I don't know about y'all, if you have an iPhone, do you guys agree with me that there's some sort of like conspiracy theory when every, t- every time like a new phone comes out, they send a new software update that messes up your old phone? You know what I'm talking yeah, yeah, man. We got an army right here. Let's go take Apple down, okay? <laughs> no, it really is a love-hate relationship. And sometimes, like, I don't know about y'all, but like, you go somewhere where there's not much service. Like, let's say up in the mountains of Colorado or even in Mexico, and you can't use your phone. And it's kind of freeing, right? You're like, you're dead to me, you old slave, right? Like, you're like, I'm not a slave to you anymore. And then, but then once you go, come back to where there's service, you kind of feel compelled, like, I got to check my phone, right? Like, I got to check it. Like, how many likes do I have? Check my mail. Um, or check my mail. Check my email. Do y'all check email? All right, I can make sure I'm not that old. All right. Um, yeah, so like it's this, this thing where like I don't want to have to have it, but sometimes I feel like I, I do have to have my cell phone. And so some of you may be here tonight and you realize like, you realize that this is like a dangerous tool. Um, and some of you may, maybe don't realize, I'm hoping that this little short series will help you realize that we have to be careful with how we use these. And at first I'm like, it's just a phone, dude. But uh, we're going to see as we, as we talk these next couple of weeks, like, these have more of an impact on us than, than we really uh, realize or even choose to believe. Um, everything we're going to be talking about from, from this series is based on a book called 12 Ways Your Phone is Changing You. Again, we're going to look at scripture, how it intersects there. Um, 12 Ways Your Phone is Changing You by Tony Rinke, R-E-I-N-K-E. Um, and we did, last year we did a little kind of mini-series uh, based off of a book called Just Do Something, which I highly recommend as well. And this would be kind of the book I would recommend for you to read this year. I know you guys don't have any homework, any reading or anything you have to do, and so, just kidding. Um, but when you do have some free time, if you have free time at some point, this is an incredible book. I wouldn't be spending three weeks, like on Thursday nights, talking about this stuff if I didn't think it had a, a lot of good stuff to say. 
And I love it in the beginning, um, Tony, and by the way, I just want to be clear, because I want to make sure that you realize I'm not like, or I don't want to get accused of plagiarizing. Like, the vast majority of what I'm going to be talking about, it, like, the content is at least started here with this book. Y'all with me? So, and again, Tony, if you're listening to this podcast one day, probably not, <laughs> but if you ever do, give him your credit, bro. Um, I said like I know him. He, I have no idea who that is. He doesn't know me. Anyways, <laughs> um, but he starts off the book by saying that his goal is to help us use our, our cell phones, and again, really treat all of media, but especially cell phones, because we have these all the time. Like, raise your hand if you have your cell phone right now. Like, all right, pretty much everyone has their phone on them, right? Um, the question is, how can we best use our phones or really any media to help us flourish in life? Flourish, like, in every way possible, with our relationship with God, relationship with people, um, just ourself. How can we have a healthy emotionally, spiritually, even physically? How can we be, how can we be flourishing? And, uh, how can we use our, our cell phones in a way that helps us, help us flourish? And really, that the question that that leads him to that really drives the whole book is he studied what are ways that our phones are preventing us from flourishing. So again, that's why he came up with the title, 12 Ways Your Phone is Changing You. What are things about our phones that are preventing us from flourishing? You all with me? So that's kind of what we're going to look at, and tonight we're just going to look at, I'm kind of summarizing a lot of what he said and trying to make it a little more simple for us, or um, more abbreviated for us. And so the first thing we're going to see tonight is this. Our phones, our phones, amplify our addiction to distractions. Would anyone be willing to agree with that? Our phones amplify our addiction to distractions. So, Here's the deal. All of us already tend towards distraction. Like, wait, what'd you say? <laughs> All of us tend towards distraction. And our phones actually just move us even further towards not being able to focus and not being able to really concentrate on things. Um, just a couple little proofs, you could say, of addiction and distraction. These are, uh, again, what I love about this book also is that it's not just like he came up with some thoughts. This is all well-studied, well-researched. So he did some research that found, um, nationally speaking, national average, we check our smartphones. How, many, uh, how often do you think? The average person, how often do they check their smartphone? When they're awake. You can't count when you're asleep, right? But, but if you check your smartphone when you're asleep, that's just impressive, right? <laughs> and creepy. Um, how, many, how many times do you think? Somebody just holler at me. Tell me. No, uh, how often? Like... Every 20 minutes, every minute, every hour, every 30 seconds. Hey, I appreciate the honesty. What they found in their research, we check our smartphones every 4.3 minutes of our waking lives. So, in a 30-minute sermon, you know what that means? You jokers better quit checking your phone. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, he also conducted this. Now, this is kind of interesting to me. He conducted, he conducted a survey with... Um, over 8,000 people who read articles on DesiringGod.org. So DesiringGod.org is a website uh, that John Piper really hosts and leads, and different people write on it, articles and things. But it's really John Piper's website. So it's safe to say of that 8,000, like, we're going to assume they're Christians. Not like every single 8,000 of them, or every one of the 8,000 is a Christian. But generally speaking, they're Christians. Here's what we found. 54% said they checked their smartphone within minutes of waking up. Anyone else willing to admit to that? I'll admit to that. 73% said they check it before doing any spiritual 
disciplines. And again, these are, these are like believers, people who are even serious enough about their faith to like be nerds and read articles on the online. Okay. So I, I did, I'm in that boat. So, um, interesting. Now let, let me, I should have said this right out the gate. You see what I'm using? Like, this is not anti-technology talk. Okay. So make sure we're clear. This is not so you can leave and like, we actually have a, a trash can in the back on your way. I could just drop your phones. Like that's, that's not what we're doing. So I'll be clear there. Okay. All right. Back to this. Um, thinking about distraction, isn't it interesting? Anyone can realize, or sorry, anyone can reach you at any given moment, right? And a lot of times people that, I don't even know who they are, they're just trying to get a sale, right? Like, and have you noticed now that it's like every sales call, every telemarketer has an 806 number? Right? Thank you. Yeah, or whatever you're from, they seem to have the number. I don't know how they do that. Um, and if we're bored, an endless world of distraction awaits us at our fingertips. That's true, right? What you call, call the endless rabbit hole, right? Where you're like, oh, I'm just going to check Instagram. Like two hours you're later, you're like flipping through YouTube. Like, what is this, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, endless distraction. Like literally, if I had a little charger, I'm at 15% right now, uh-oh. But if I, if I had a little charger up here or at my desk, wherever, I could literally spend all day on my phone and probably not get bored, right? I mean, I would get like, probably like, man, I need to go stand up, get some sunlight or whatever, like eat some food. But really, I could probably, between... Uh, the internet between games and between ESPN and texting people, I could, I could, social media, I could spend all day on my phone, right? An endless, endless world of distraction right here at your fingertips. Now, he, he kind of lists some reasons we may be lured to distractions, and I think he does a pretty good job. But let me ask you first, why do you think we're, we're, we are lured, we, are, we gravitate toward distraction? You don't have to raise your hand, just tell me. You can all talk at once, though. I'm really good at hearing, I'm kidding. <laughs> why, why, do we, why do we gravitate towards distraction? Okay, let's, let's back up for a second. Who in here struggles with dis- being distracted by their phone? You're like, what'd you say? I was looking at my phone. <laughs> all right, why, why do we tend towards distraction? ADD, okay, could be. yep sure yeah we've been a little bit uh what's the word conditioned Conditioned, thank you that's what i was looking for no let's not make it totally 100 percent agree but i don't want to give us an out yes sir escape ah yeah escape from what okay i heard several things um i heard stress which could correlate with work of any kind right like like how many of y'all are like, all right, I got to get working on my paper, but I'll just check social media for a few minutes, right? <laughs> right? And you're like, oh, it's already December. How did that happen? <laughs> what the? Right? That's weird. Right? Or, um, you know, like, I, I know you're in dorms and stuff, but even you're like, man, Saturday I need to do some laundry and stuff. And you're like, four Saturdays later, you're like, still should probably, should probably do some things, right? So whether it's schoolwork whether it's work, and that involves stress, right? Um, someone right here, was, someone said something up. What did you say? Reality. Things to reality. Uh, I'm going to come back to that one. That's a really good one. Um, now, don't look at anybody, but you, have you ever used your phone as a distraction to keep people away? <laughs> You're like, oh, yeah, that's cool, man. <laughs> That's cool, right? 
Or that's what, that's what, that's what, I think that's why earbuds or whatever they're called were invented, right? Like, I had, there was a guy at the gym, uh, when Lauren and I used to go to Premier, and uh, he would literally, it was an older man, and if someone had their, their, like, their earphones in, he'd be like, hey, buddy, hey, pull it out, I'm trying to talk to you. He would just straight up, like, hey, pull it out, like, he didn't care. Um, yeah, we can use these to keep people away. I'm not going to go too far with that, because we're going to uh, hear very soon talk more about, like, ignoring our own flesh and blood. Um, but yeah, we like distraction because it kind of distra- keeps people away, kind of keeps, keeps them at bay. Um, and the third thing I think Tatum said was uh, it distracts us from reality. And we're going to kind of camp on that for a second. Um, well, the way he said it was we use distractions to keep thoughts of eternity away. So this thing, if I'm like, I literally can like, just be goofing off my phone for a really long time and not have to deal with reality, Right? Or like not have to think deep thoughts. Uh, a couple, I want to just read from a couple um, philosophers that comment kind of on this. They didn't have phones in their day, but I think they still have some timely words. Blaise Pascal, French mathematician, physicist, inventor, and he was a Catholic theologian um, from the 17th century. Now, so he, he commented about distraction, but Tony Rinke, the author of this book, kind of helped translate it to, to our language today. Or to our lingo, you could say. The human appetite for distraction is high in every age because distractions give us easy escape from the silence and solitude whereby we become acquainted with our finitude. So like how short our lives are. Every time I go to say that, I've struggled. Our inescapable mortality and the distance of God from all our desires, hopes, and pleasures. So again, we like to be distracted because as soon as things get quiet, we begin to realize like our lives are short. And maybe we begin to realize that we're not as close to God and our desires fly from not as close to God as we hope they might be. And then Rinky comments on that. Our pings, alerts, push notifications all redirect us from our greatest needs and realities. It's true, right? Peter Kreft, he's a Christian um, So yeah, he's a Christian and he's a professor of philosophy at Boston College. He says, we want to complex, man, this is like, let this sink in for a second. This is pretty pretty, uh, profound. We want to complexify our lives. We don't have to, but we want to. We want to be hurried and hassled and busy. Unconsciously, we want the very thing we complain about. For if we had leisure... We would look at ourselves and listen to our hearts and see the great gaping hole in our hearts and be terrified because that hole is so big that nothing but God can fill it. Gotta stay busy, gotta be distracted. Oh man, I'm so busy you wouldn't get it, man. Don't you hate it when people are like, man, you just don't understand how busy I am. Like, oh, because I'm not busy, right? Um, yeah, we, we desire that. We try to make our lives busy because we're afraid of being quiet and being still before God. Distraction is pretty dangerous. I want to look at a couple of verses in Scripture that help us realize why this is so dangerous. I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to turn with me or uh, scroll with me on your, <laughs> on your smartphone. Um, turn real quick to Luke 8.14. If you don't quite get there, it's okay. I'm just going to move a little quick just so we can touch base on all these. So we've looked at the reality of our phones are changing us and that our phones um, amplify our addiction to distraction. We've kind of looked at why we like to be distracted. Um, 
And now we're going to look at why it's so dangerous. Luke um, chapter 8, is that what I said? Yep, 14. Luke 8, 14. So this is the parable where Jesus talks about the sower and the seed, right? And the seed is the word of God. And so the idea is that as as uh, the sower throws out seed, like throws out the seed of the gospel, people hear it, and if it takes root, they can, they can, it can grow, they can be saved, right? So kind of as an example, you come on Thursday or Sunday or whatever and hear the word of God, and if it takes root in your heart, you, you will turn to Christ and be saved, right? And I want to look at one particular, look at verse 18. And, uh, sorry, verse 14. <laughs> and as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. So here's the first, like, dangerous thing about, or maybe perhaps the most dangerous thing about distraction, is it could keep you from being saved. I really, probably more than we would like to think, more people than we like to think are in this room. That man, you come. We love having you. Please know, like whether you're a Christian or not, you're always welcome here. But I'm afraid they're probably more than we think. People that come here and they they hear the gospel, they hear these things, but you're so concerned with the things of this world, so distracted by the things of this world that the gospel is not having a chance to take root in your heart. Don't miss out on a relationship with Christ. Don't miss out on heaven. Don't miss out on forgiveness and the hope and the love that Jesus offers because you're distracted by the things of this world. This is like a very small device, but it can distract you and keep you from eternity if you're not careful. You all with me? Let's look at the second thing. Turn to Luke chapter 10, just a little bit over. We're going to look in verse 38. So the first thing, uh, What's dangerous about distraction, it can blind us, sorry, blind us from salvation. Verse 38 of chapter 10. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. So, again, Martha was not doing something bad. She was serving, right? It's not bad. But what was she distracted from? You tell me. The Lord. And, and you're exactly right. Specifically, unpack that a little more. What about the Lord? Spending time with him. Yeah. Think the creator of the universe is standing in human in human flesh before you. You could sit like legit, like way cooler than Thursday nights, okay? Like not even comparable, right? You could just sit at his feet, the savior of the world, and she was like distracted, worried about other things. And he says, Hey, like, don't this was what's important, right? Serving's one thing, but how how ridiculous to think we could miss out on quality time with Jesus because we're distracted by our phone. And uh, anyone ever, I'll go ahead and raise my hand. Anyone ever spending time with Jesus, reading the word, praying, and your phone goes off and like, oh, let me check that. Anybody? You sinners. Just kidding. I raised my hand first. <laughs> yeah. How, ridic- like, how ridiculous is that? Seriously, think about it, that 
We, we miss out on time with Jesus, learning from him, soaking him up, because we're distracted by our phones. And Martha was distracted by like, being a servant. It's like, seems a little bit more honorable than being distracted by our phones. Another one. Turn to Psalm chapter 39. Psalm, bless you, Psalm 39. So if you're not sure that's that, kind of turn to the middle of your Bible and you'll be close. Psalm 39. We're going to look at verse 4. Man, I think this is, you've heard me, well, you may have heard me talk about it before. I think the Psalms are great to pray. Like literally, you could just turn to one and, and like use those words as your prayer if you're like me and struggle with what to pray. And I think this is a great prayer. Psalm 39, verse 4. O Lord, make me know my end and what is the measure of my days. Let me know how fleeting I am. Behold, you have made my days a few handbreadths. And my lifetime is as nothing before you. Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. Surely a man goes about as a shadow. Surely for nothing they are in turmoil. Man heaps up wealth and does not know who will gather. You know what's dangerous about distraction? It makes us forget how short our lives are. It really does. you think okay so like if this is not even close to being a good example but just let's take a think of eternity if eternity was from that wall to that wall and your life is like the width of this little pinky okay very manly pinky but <laughs> this little pinky if eternity if this represents eternity and this is the span of your life and again that's a terrible it's not even it's like it's a way of a worse scale than that okay meaning if you don't make use of your time how foolish to waste my life being distracted when I only have a little bit of time here on earth. When you're, if you're constantly distracted by your phone and what's going on, even if it's not like sinful things per se, but just spending time on ESPN, checking social media, whatever. Like if you're distracted from realizing, man, my, my time here on earth is short and I've got to make the most of it, that's not good, right? Y'all with me? That's dangerous. Do you remember, I mean, I added one thing to that. Um, I love what he wrote in the book. He said, am I entitled to spend hours every month browsing odd curiosities or playing games? So meaning, if you're a child of God, you're not your own. You belong to who now? Let's try that again. You belong to who? Okay, so make sure you're with me. And my life is really, really short this time here on earth. Am I entitled to just waste as much time as I want? No. <laughs> now our culture says, yeah, man, you, you do what you want, bro. Like, but if I'm a child of God, one, I, I belong to him, and two, I, I have limited time. So I don't, I, it's not that I have time to kill. Like, man, I got all this time. I don't know what to do with my time. No, I, I have time to redeem, right? Like the days are fleeting. So it's not like I've got all this time to waste. No, no, no. I, I, I need to make the most of every second I have. And again, this is not saying that you can never take a breather or like, Never just relax and, and see who won the game or um, check out. Lauren always likes to read uh, the Wikipedia article, articles on her favorite actresses or whatever. Like, I'm not saying you can't ever do that. But, but if I'm always wasting time like that, that's, that's being a bad steward, right? A few weeks ago, we looked at Mark um, 12, 28 to 34, I think was the whole passage, where Jesus said the most important thing is what? Love. 
Yes, love God, love people. Y'all with me? If I am constantly distracted and diverted and trying to multitask everything, can I love God with everything I have? Pretty darn hard, right? If I'm everything, oh, I gotta, I gotta respond to this, gotta get this. Oh, what they say? Oh, let me read this latest thing. If I can't focus on God, I can't love him with everything I have, right? Again, this isn't evil in and of itself, but it's gonna dis- if it's gonna distract me from the most important thing in life, which is loving God, and second, loving people, then this is a problem, right? Then I need to kind of watch what I do with it. One other um, passage I'll just kind of mention. In the book of Esther, such a cool story in the Old Testament. A lot of y'all, I know, love that. Great book. Um, Who's the bad guy in Esther? Y'all remember? Haman. Yeah, Haman. Good job. Haman's the bad guy, right? But if you haven't read Esther, it's super cool, so you should definitely read it. Like, it's fun to read. Haman's the bad guy. Esther was a Jew who ended up being the queen, right? And who was her, um, is it, now I'm drawing, is it her cousin? Who was her relative that was a man? <laughs> Sorry. What's it? Mordecai. Yeah, Mordecai, right? So Mordecai find, found out that Haman was wanting to do what? kill all the Jews, right? It was going to be like, it was going to be a massacre. Like, that would have been, like, not to me, like, would have been the, the first Holocaust, right? Um, well, Mordecai finds out, realizes that Esther, maybe because she's the, the king's wife, maybe she could help. So he goes to Esther, and she's like, well, if I go into the king, and he hasn't called me in, he'll kill me, right? And, and what does Mordecai tell Esther? Yeah. Esther, how do you know that you weren't born for such a time as this. And it's crazy, because if you read the story, Esther's like, hey, Mordecai, I hear you, but I'm kinda, I, gotta, I, gotta check, I gotta check my Twitter feed. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Is that what she said? No. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that's the, probably, yeah. <laughs> hey, in all seriousness, though, I'm, I'm kind of glad you said that. How many of us today from what we see around the world and from what God whispers in our ear, we're being told, hey, you, you were made for such a time as this. God says, I've got a purpose for you. I've got a plan for you. There, I've got people that you need to impact, people that you need to influence. And rather than us saying, hey, I'm gonna step up and do it, we're like, hey, I'm, I'm busy on my phone. I'm distracted. How many of us walk past people at South Plains or Loveland I'm sorry, South Plains or the Reese Campus or LCU or Tech or wherever, and there are hurting people that God's saying, hey, hey, bro, hey, gal, I've got you on the earth so you can influence this person. But we're like, y'all, you're here for a reason. Don't let your phone keep you from the things God has for you right now. Y'all with me? It's not worth being distracted. C.S. Lewis, Lewis wrote kind of about this idea and in the screw tape letters, and he calls it Satan's nothing strategy. And I want to read just a little bit of it to you. So this is, Rinky kind of introduces the quote. He says, it is the strategy, this nothing strategy that Satan uses, It is the strategy that eventually leaves a man at the end of his life looking back in in lament, saying, 
I now see that I spent most of my life in doing neither what I ought nor what I liked. This nothing strategy, strategy is very strong. Strong enough to steal away a man or woman's best years. Not in sweet sins, but in a dreary flickering of the mind over it knows not what and knows not why. In the gratification of curiosity so feeble that the man is only half aware of them. Or in the long or in the reveries that have not even lust or ambition to give them a relish, but which, once chance association has started them, the creature is too weak and fuddled to shake off. In other words, we we get kind of hypnotized by these things, right? And once we get sucked into whatever game, or maybe it's Netflix, (laughs) or whatever it is, we don't even realize what we're watching or why we even want to watch it. We're just kind of sucked in. Satan's nothing strategy. You're not doing maybe this crazy sin, but he's keeping you from living life as God wants you to. Y'all, life is too short. It is too beautiful, and God has too much in store for us for us to live life being distracted by stupid phones. I want us to look at one last thing real quick. So we said, first thing, our phones amplify our addiction to distraction. Then we talked about a lot under that. And here's the second thing, and I promise this will be really, really brief. Our phones drive our desire for immediate approval, and they make us think our lives are lame. <laughs> our phones drive our desire for immediate approval, and they think our lives are lame. And there's an and in there, because even though these are two ideas, they kind of they coincide Really closely, I really, really do believe so. So let me ask you real quick, how might our phones drive our desire for immediate approval? Yes! Likes on such and such. Like, yeah, social media, right? I know I'm, I know I'm the only one that uh, when I post something, I want to see how many likes I get. I know y'all never do that, right? I hope you are being quiet because you do that. <laughs> You're like, man, that guy's a loser. <laughs> hey, but, hey, it's kind of funny. You see what just happened there? Though I'm kind of kidding him ahead. I'm like, oh man, hope they like me. Right? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, we do. We, we we post something, and it's amazing. Though we wouldn't say it, it's amazing how much of our identity, our worth, is found in how many likes we have or don't have. Uh, Lauren, I always laugh because like there's some students that we've had. Like they're in high school now, but we had them when they were in middle school and everything. And like they'll have like two thousand followers and get five hundred likes. I'm like, I hate my life, right? <laughs> like, like how do they do that? It, it does. It, social media, especially not just phones, but social media, it drives that addiction of, uh, of I want people to like me. I'm gonna now. It's interesting. He was saying in the book. He says that studies are showing that people. Um, you used to do something and think, oh, I ought to post that. Now people will do things just so they can post it and get likes. You know what I'm talking about? Like they think, oh, I'm going to go do that just so I can post it and then I can, have, I can be perceived as this way and I'll get some likes. Yeah, we do. We, we base um, our identity in whether people like us or not. And, and sometimes we, it's really just seeking people, like their approval, right? I, I want people to approve of what I do. I love what John Piper says. Actually, I hate it because it's convicting. But he says, he says, in a solid God-chosen relationship with Jesus, man's disapproval cannot hurt you and man's approval cannot satisfy you. Therefore, to fear the one and crave the other is sheer 
folly. That's good. People liking me and, get, and liking my Instagram posts, whatever, can't satisfy me. So craving that is stupid. <laughs> and why should I fear what people think if they disapprove of me when the king of the universe, because of what Jesus did for me, approves of me? Right? We're going to come back to that in a second. The second thing where I said that it makes us think our lives are lame. So you ever, um, I don't want to make too much of this, but I think everybody does it to a degree. You're, you're scrolling through social media or whatever, and sometimes you can see what people post, and like it makes you feel good about yourself, right? You're like, man, they are not good at taking pictures, right? <laughs> or, like, or, or whatever. But do you ever, you're, even though we have so much to be grateful for, like all of us do really believe, but we'll be, I can be scrolling through social media, and see someone else's life? Let me back up for a second, sorry. You ever notice how social media is a way to like present a facade of a perfect life? You with me? So I can be scrolling through social media, even though I know that, even though I know that people always present their best on social media, it's like a constant first date, right? You always put your best out there. Um, and if you don't do that on a first date, you should start doing that. You might get a second date, okay? Anyways, so, well, I don't know if that's what I'm saying. Anyway, so, um, but even though I know social media is just a way for people to like to, to put their the best of themselves out there, I can still be posting or scrolling through social media and start to feel sorry for myself. Like, oh man, they just have a perfect life, right? Like, man, they're they're not gonna have these babies soon, but they'll never be as perfect as their kids are, right? Like, like everything is perfect about them. And you're like, you're like, you see, or you see what somebody did, they're like on this huge mission trip. And you're like, I spent my whole weekend eating ice cream, watching Netflix, right? Like, <laughs> like, it's, immediate, it's easy, so easy to like forget who you really are and that they're not perfect and that you're not perfect and that God's really been good to you. And you just think, man, my life is lame. Our phones, they, they drive that desire for immediate approval and they make us think our lives are lame if we're not careful. And I want to just real quick, never done, look at two verses the first, we're not going to, for sake of time, I'm just going to uh, kind of tell you about it. John 12, 43, um, it says, John tells us that there were people that wanted to believe in Jesus, but because they feared what people thought more than God, they didn't believe in Christ. Y'all, when, when we are more worried about immediate approval and people liking us, one, it could, it could keep you from turning to Christ as your Savior. But even as a believer, it can keep you from growing in Christ and trusting Him because you're worried about what other people think. Feeding that addiction to immediate approval is really dangerous. And the second thing, we're going to turn there and read it and then we'll, and then we'll, we'll finish here. Turn to uh, Ephesians chapter 2, if you don't mind. Ephesians chapter 2. I'd love for you to set your eyes on it with me. Ephesians 2, and we're, we're going to read verses 1 through 10, and here's how I want you, here's what I want you to be thinking about. This, if you're a believer, this is now who you are, okay? This is your identity. Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So all of us, sinners, dead in our sins, children of wrath, meaning like the wrath of God is going to come down on us. 
But there's a big but right in the middle of this. Verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Y'all, if you have turned to Christ, if he's your savior, what more approval do you need than the God of the universe saying, hey, you're free, you're forgiven, and I'm head over heels about you. That's some pretty cool approval, right? And why would we ever think and fret over our lives being lame when God says one day he's going to show us the measurable riches of his grace in Christ Jesus. And that even today he's working us. We are his workmanship and that he has good works planned for us. He's got things for us to do. How dumb is it to sit around complaining about my life being lame and stuff when God's saying, hey, bro, I saved you. and I've got a plan for you. I've got some awesome stuff. I want you to walk in it. Why would I miss out and complain about my life being lame? Again, why would I worry about the approval of people when the God of the universe has loved me and accepted me? Doesn't get any better. Like that, that's the top, right? Like, we all want recognition to kind of be cool and stuff. And like, if the God of the universe like, is 100% for you, like we talked about last week, you can't get any better than that. So here's how we're going to finish. I'm going to give you a few moments just to reflect. Do you own your phone like, and control it? Or does your phone control you? Don't let your phone or, or anything for that matter, lead you to disappointing distractions or foolish fears. Meaning, don't let your phone, social media especially, keep you distracted from what God has for you. And don't let it cause you to live in fear of, do people like me? Am I missing out on what other people are, ex- are experiencing. Or because I'm not, I, I saw that all these people were at this event and I wasn't at that event, am I now going to be like irrelevant and not cool because I didn't get to go to that, because I don't have that thing, whatever it is. We have no reason to live in fear, any kind of fear, because of who God is and who we are as his children. And again, how dumb that this would cause us to live in some kind of fear. So here, here's what I want us to do. Um, go ahead and close your eyes, bow your heads. The band's going to come up here in a second. We're going to sing one more song. Before we do that, I want you just to consider kind of in, in two realms. First thing, I think it's pretty simple. Are you living a distracted life? could be for lots of reasons, but if anything... Maybe because of your phone. And if you are, what do you need to do to start being less distracted? Does it, like, seriously, these, no, these are not like rules. Don't, I'm not saying you have to do these. This is not in the Bible, but just some, maybe some ideas for application. Maybe it means you turn off push notifications. 
Like, if you literally can't focus on anything because every notification you get, you have to open and read and look at it. Who liked my stuff? Like, then just turn it off. <laughs> maybe, maybe you need to start leaving your phone in a different room at certain times of the day. Like, maybe it means when you go out to dinner with friends because you want to focus on them and how God might have you invest in them. Maybe it just means you leave your phone in the car. <gasps> what? Yeah, you could do that. There's not a law that says you have to have your phone with you. <laughs> Maybe it means you, you only check social media once a day. I, again, this is not a rule. It's not a law, but it's just an idea. It's not worth missing out on God because you're distracted. The second area I want you to kind of think about is our, maybe this seems silly, <laughs> But are you living in some kind of fear because of your phone? Fear of what people think? Fear of, am I not cool because I can only get so many followers, likes? I know that seems childish, but I feel like everyone has felt that before. You're living in fear of it, that you're missing out on something because of what you, you see on your phone? What, what other people have, what they get to do and you don't get to do it? I think that the answer, the response to that is just to remember who you are, like Ephesians 2. When you remember who you are in Christ, then it kind of makes all those fears about what people think or what your future holds because of what you have or don't have makes all that seem kind of dumb. So I'm going to give you just another, another minute or so to kind of ask God to help you focus on Him, not miss out on life just because you're born. Ask Him what you need to do to get serious about loving Him with everything you have, loving people with everything you have, rather than being distracted or being worried about things that you see on your phone.